What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland and not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out. And I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys. And they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well, as well as the, the real deal cocktails, mimosa flights and all the goods. So come on out for brunch or come out in the evening for the new warm weather cocktail menu featuring lots of fresh fruits and vegetables, tons of outdoor patio space and good eats. Big thanks to Produce Row Cafe for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Let's do it. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another volume of I Dig Records, a Dan Cable Presents podcast coming at you every other Wednesday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so, and that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast, and a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. If you're not listening on Apple, 
just go ahead, hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. The podcast is available on Spotify now. If that's your preferred place of listening to things, I've also been dropping monthly playlists there every first of the month, keeping those genres really spread out on that. So I'll put the links in the episode notes so you can keep up with the Spotify profile, tap into some of those playlists. And I will also put the links for the Dan Cable Presents mugs and t-shirts in there as well. Hope everybody is doing all right out there. I just got back from a killer music weekend in Denver and got to see Noah Gunderson, one of my all-time favorites, play this stripped-down acoustic set of some older tunes. And I also got to see a stripped-down set from Andrew McMahon of Jack's Mannequin and Something Corporate, another one of my all-time favorites. So back-to-back nights of amazing music and I will talk more about that on Friday. I want to get into this volume of I Dig Records here as soon as possible. If you're new to the programming here, this I Dig Records series is something I started about a year ago with my cousin Bobby Grantfeld and we've just been diving in to different records, talking about favorite tracks and things we we dig about it, but he moved to LA recently, so I've been trying to give him some some time to settle into his new digs, and I've been having some guest hosts on, and I think this guest host role in this series is an opportunity to not only have musicians on the show that I dig to talk about records they love, but also to chat with people that are close to me and that have exposed me to music that I enjoy and have influenced or impacted my taste in some way. So volume 27 is fun because my guest co-host for this episode is my girlfriend Ruby Fusaro and we talked about one of her favorite albums by one of her favorite bands the national and this is definitely one of the bands that we connected over when we first started talking to each other about music that we dug and this was fun because we don't really talk about music in this way very often so we'll we'll dive into it momentarily the ryan that is mentioned in the episode a couple times is my childhood friend that moved to Portland shortly after me, and he hooked me up with a booking gig at this basement bar called The Library a few years back in which Ruby was the manager, and that is how we met, and we spent a lot of time together because of that and got to know each other very well, and we eventually started dating, and that was a couple years ago, and now my podcast studio is in one of the spare bedrooms in her house, which I moved into about six months ago. So yeah, things have escalated and she's rad and super supportive of my, my goofy little radio show. So I'm stoked she was down to do it and she picked a great record to do the deep dive on. And she also may have convinced me that this is also my favorite national album now. So that's what's happening for volume 27 of this thing. Don't forget, new episodes of the regular Dan Cable Presents podcast coming at you every Friday in which I am in conversation with a band or an artist or industry folks, usually uh, 
very spread out genre-wise. I just got back recently from the Treefort Music Festival in Boise, Idaho, so I've been sharing a lot of the podcasts that I recorded out there. And this coming Friday, I will have a band called Brother from Salt Lake City, Utah, that has a new record coming out this Friday. So stay tuned for that later in the week. And also in the upcoming weeks, the return to the podcast from Noah Gunderson himself. Got to hang out with him a bit while I was in Denver. So I'm really excited to share that conversation And if you are local to the Portland, Oregon area, free music going on at Produce Row every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. And every Wednesday night from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. This coming Sunday, Lane Norberg and Haley Lynn will be there. And on October 20th, the LKs will return. October 24th, former guest of the podcast, David Pollock, is there. And October 27th, the previous guest host of iDig Records, Andrew Harrison, will be there playing music. So go check out some tunes over there at Produce Row Cafe in Southeast Portland. And we are going to get into volume 27 of iDig Records. This is Ruby and I hanging out in our living room chatting it up about one of her favorite albums of all time. This 2010 record from The National called High Violet. Let's do the damn thing. I just want everybody to know that I dig records. I dig records, bro. I dig records, bro. Matt Burninger. 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 Like all the candles around us. Burninger. All the candles are Burninger. (laughs) Are you going to start it off with like, what's up everybody? (laughs) (laughs) I think everybody would appreciate if you did a, uh, your best impersonation (laughs) to start off the episode (laughs) since you always make fun of me for doing the intros to the podcast. I like to exaggerate it though, where it's like, what is up, everybody? <laughs> it's my favorite. <laughs> All right. Fachabella. Oh, no. <laughs> Cut that out. Nope. That's, that's saying it. That's how we're going to get it going. I have invited you to be um, guest host, volume 27 of IDIG Records. Can we just call it like a guest as opposed to guest host? I feel like that's less pressure. Like if I fuck it up, it's ultimately on you, the host of the podcast. I mean, it's on me as the booker of Mm, the show mm, also. I'm also the senior booker. (laughs) I don't know if you knew this of the Dan Cable Presents Enterprises, but I do all the booking (laughs) for this show. Mm. I also just smashed my tooth into the microphone, which is a good start. All right, Ruby. We don't talk a lot about music in this way. I feel like often we definitely both appreciate music. And at times we have had some deeper conversations about albums that we really like. And we both appreciate sad music, um, maybe for different reasons, maybe for the same as well. Maybe we'll dig into it. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of those bands that you and I both have a strong appreciation for 
is the national which was also the first concert that we ever <laughs> went together <laughs> um spoiler alert it was not a good date <laughs> it was not a great first uh concert and maybe mostly because you don't like seeing live music <laughs> is this okay oh yeah. we're gonna talk about this yeah that's fine we, we made can, it a, no, we we've made it a year and a half past this moment of oh, two years almost yeah. like since this moment anyway yes. so it obviously was not a a game killer and i know that maybe you would like to for me to maintain my my single image here <laughs> for the brand of dan cable presents because you want you know you want me to get paid so yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you know that the end result is uh good for you as well yeah, and you, your you, single persona you want to maintain yeah yeah you want to maintain the thirst trap and, <laughs> and i appreciate that yeah. and i think that's very very sweet of you i think that uh i think the dms will keep on coming either way <laughs> <laughs> that's uh at dan cable presents on <laughs> but um yeah so the national is a band that we both really like or i would say that you love i i i like quite a bit yeah i wouldn't say they're a top band for me mm-hmm. like when i ask you who your top bands i know that the national is gonna be something that you bring up yeah and the bonnie Vare is something mm-hmm. we both that's probably i think bonnie Vare is our biggest common love i agree of music yeah but we did a bonnie Vare record not too long ago. Yeah, it was hard for me not to choose that though. Yeah. yeah. But I was not I was not surprised when I asked you like, "Oh, what's in the mix for <laughs> top albums?" I knew that we would uh we would talk the national most likely. Did so. you suspect High Violet though versus a different album? <laughs> <laughs> I I think that I knew that it would be either High Violet or Trouble Will Find Me mm-hmm. because I know that Trouble Will Find Me has some of your favorite songs from the yeah. National. So I knew that it would be a toss-up between those two records. I'm glad you picked this one just because I think Trouble Will Find Me would have been my pick. Mm. That album, I think, has a little more i don't know if it's even significance i just like remember stumbling upon that record and that kind of being the album that i was like whoa i really fucking like this band that was also the album that i got introduced to i don't think that i started listening to to high violet until like a couple years after i started to like the national it also wasn't until today when i was going through the album that i realized that this came out before trouble will find me so i didn't realize that that was the release situation and this was after boxer Mm -hmm. what was your introduction to the national um (laughs) a boy (laughs) made me a mix cd (laughs) it wasn't me no uh no actually he had a girlfriend uh (laughs) likely story yeah uh (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. My friend made me a mix CD and mostly I didn't like it. I think uh, it was... <laughs> Classic Ruby. <laughs> I feel like that's probably what you thought of the uh, first time I made you a uh, playlist. M- mostly. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, 
was just a lot of I think when you made me a playlist you at least had like you kind of knew what I liked and you kind of went with that versus this was just a CD where he was just like oh here are some songs that I really appreciate that like I don't know what you like but I would like you know classic boy saying like I like this thing you should here you go let me introduce you to it but I need my girl was on it and I was like this is the best song that I have heard in I don't even know and it must have been like right when it came out too I was actually kind of surprised I looked up the album release date or the year and uh it was way later than I was expecting. Yeah, I don't know why I always think that High Violet came out af- or after this. It's just in my mind that way. I think I just maybe... I think it's also because of how late I came to the National. When did you? It wasn't until I moved to Portland, and it was probably pretty early in that. So I guess like 2013 or 2014. So this... Well, that's like before this, though. This came out in 2013. Oh, okay. So this album... Trouble Will Find Me did? Yeah. So this album would have already been out, but I didn't even know... I hadn't gone that deep on it. It was was a thing like where Fake Empire from Boxer came on maybe like a Spotify. I was listening to something else that came on and I really liked it. And it was right around the time when I moved to Portland. That was when I first started collecting records. And as you know, there's uh, there's way too many of them <laughs> for someone that just started collecting them eight years ago. But you don't even have this album. I don't have this album, but uh, we almost got it today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I came to them late and I, the Boxer, her Boxer was my first national vinyl. So I got pretty into that. And then I went back and listened to Alligator, and I got that, and I really like that one. And then, have you seen the... I'm going to guess no, because you're not <laughs> super into documentaries, but have you seen the National no, documentary? No, Ryan has told me to watch it. I took Ryan to see it with oh. me. <laughs> I made him go with me. I was like, hey, you're going to go see this music documentary with me? Yeah. Was, I don't know. know why I haven't. It's pretty cool, because it's not really necessarily all about the band Mm -hmm. it's about matt berninger's brother Mm -hmm. who ends up filming this whole documentary but it's also kind of just like about their relationship and dynamic as much as it is it is about the band yeah so that also is something that really increased my interest or attachment because that's usually what happens when i watch a music documentary <laughs> i have this opportunity to get to know the the people a little bit more and see all that so it, it's uh that's when i got super interested and started going through it a little bit more but i seem to always like remember albums that i listened to on planes quite a bit and this was an album that i downloaded right before i got on a plane and i felt like this one was just i don't know it had more depth for me than Boxer or Alligator. It just like felt different. You could tell like it was a little more thought out or mature in the sound. Like they had like all this different stuff going on that didn't really appear in those albums. So I had no idea that High Violet was even a thing probably at that point. So 
did you go on a pretty deep dive after you heard this song then? Oh, no. I probably for the first few months just listened to this song on repeat <laughs> over and over. Like I was just obsessed with it. And then I was like, oh, I love this song. I should probably check out this album. And then became obsessed with the album for a while. And then it took me quite a bit to like even I don't I don't really know why. I was just so invested in this song and this album that I must didn't like want to branch out at first because I felt like it might like ruin my impression of it. Um, and then I finally did. And I'm really glad I did because ultimately... I think uh, some of my favorite songs are Untrouble Will Find Me, but High Violet as a whole is definitely my favorite album. Did you go back and listen to the early ones too? Yeah, those just have never like connected with me. Yeah. Like they're fine for, they're good. I will put them on in the background, like at the bar. It's great to just like throw on an album, but. Um, it never like pulls me in like some songs on trouble will find me and high violet and even the new album like are almost like distractingly pull me in where Mm. I can have it on in the background and I hear a certain lyric and I'm just like, Oh, like I can just like feel it. And it like pulls me in from whatever else I'm doing. I understand that. And you always seem to have gravitated towards those, like those albums in that area or even the stuff that they're like still putting out Mm -hmm. now. Like I know you like the last two albums as well. Yeah. I think I I totally understand about just the, the difference of how they pull you in for sure between the stuff that's like earlier, but this Karen song, (laughs) Karen is off of alligator. So uh, when I was like thinking about this album today, when I was also listening to High Violet on on a plane, um, I was thinking about something I talked about with Andrew on the last episode of this when we were talking about Pine Grove. And one of the things that we talked about was how we both really appreciate Matt or the the lyrics from Pine Grove and then being like abstract and not necessarily linear at all times and that the national was definitely another one of the first bands that exposed me to that in a way that i really enjoyed because like i don't think i always loved or understood the the more mysterious stuff i was always like so into stuff that was you know, literal and just <laughs> shocking in some ways. You yeah, know. pop punk. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, yeah, I think I feel the same way. And I think that his voice also kind of lends to that in a way for me, at least, where like he will sometimes like he's kind of hard to understand sometimes. So it will be these like almost nonsense lyrics but because you can't quite understand him you can like kind of put your own spin on it and like I think I will like assign meaning to certain songs myself just from like what I take away from the lyrics even and then we'll look up the lyrics and 
I'm so wrong and just made <laughs> made the song what I wanted it to be. Yeah, his voice though is like a big part of what makes the dynamic interesting because it has like that that thing we talked about of it has the happy feel to the music but the lyrics are usually super down and his voice is so monotone most of the, like it's just in this register the whole time but then there's like this real like kind of happy melody to the piano also i'm not usually like this is not my favorite vocal style as far as kind of being in this one register most mm-hmm. of the time but he his delivery of it just made me fall in love with it so i don't know if it's too early for me to talk about my favorite song on the album uh but runaway is my favorite and i think that uh I was kind of noticing just in listening to it again, just being overly critical for this, um, that his voice seems different in that song where I, I don't even know how to describe it. Like I'm going to sound very hyperbolic. Like it just sounds like the words are almost being like pulled out of him. Like he is just like, out of breath almost the whole song like he has is just i mean yeah not at the beginning but but right now before he gets to that point mm-hmm. it does feel like he's very like weathered and like exhausted yeah through like his delivery of it like it like feels like he's beaten down yeah that's a good description of it i think album for sure definitely one of the ones that that sticks out and it's because of this line yeah oh yeah it's like that that line can mean so many different things i actually think that i have gone through kind of different phases of what i thought the song meant or like at least what it meant to me um, I think I want to hear your inter- interpretation of it first, just because I have been listening to this for so long. Like, I don't want to. You want to hear my interpretation yeah. first? Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to hear. Because I have like three of them. I w- yeah. I want to hear like how the years move. But thinking about that line in particular. Like this right here getting like more into the middle of the song I guess is when it just starts sounding like 
he just like can't even get it out really yeah because it is like coming undone and then when he has like he adds that tag of it's taking us over oh. like to me this is a relationship like at its end mm-hmm. you know and like and and him feeling like yo just like tell me this shit is over because it feels like we're coming undone and like just don't keep like leading me deeper into the fucking the waters of this thing if it if it is coming undone but I guess that's only looking from it from like a relationship point of view I definitely took it from like a relationship point of view as well I think what was your first? My very first, I think because of the line, um, we don't bleed when we don't fight, uh, kind of influenced my whole view of the song where I kind of felt like it was like a relationship that had like, not necessarily lost its spark, but just had like, like the cliche saying of like, love isn't the opposite of hate it's apathy or whatever I mixed that up but you know what I mean Yeah. and I think that I took it as like a relationship where they like weren't even fighting anymore like they had just kind of like they were just done no that makes total sense that that's such a good pickup on that on that lyric like I didn't I don't think I knew that line necessarily so I think that's a great indication of just like it doesn't even even if we do fight it's not like it's not over anything of like real substance and it doesn't hurt like it doesn't like I don't even care that we're fighting about this thing just in my notes it just says sad horns that's so funny (laughs) i remember calling you out on that because i remember you telling me early on in us hanging out that you didn't like music with horns yeah i think i think i just meant scott (laughs) yeah and some other like i know what you mean now yeah And then I heard all these national songs that you really loved. And I'm no, you absolutely love horns yeah. when they're not bringing joy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what, how did your interpretation of that song change? I think then I started thinking a little bit more about the line about being led to the flood and, um, taking almost like the opposite (laughs) view of it where like then I'm picturing this relationship where like 
she is causing fights almost like spur on the relationship to like bring the blood to the fight and like and he's like no this is not this is not what I want. Like, this is not. Yeah, it's not the fire yeah. I'm looking for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not looking for that kind of excitement. <laughs> that line, though, that's that's definitely, when I think about moments from this record that I love, it's, it's that. And that's, again, a, I think a part of his delivery that I love and his choice of, like, economy of words, I guess, of just, I, I love that throughout some of the records there's these songs that kind of have these mantras that he just continues Mm -hmm. to repeat and pound into your head i think that that is powerful to me and it like makes me remember like those moments from the song Mm -hmm. just because it, it is on repeat and i do think i mean kind of going back to why i brought this up in the first place i do feel like it (laughs) it's definitely still monotone i should say like it's relatively not monotone for the other song like compared to the other songs yeah i just feel like his like voice brings something different to it yeah i also think that's me saying that his voice is monotone isn't even necessarily like a criticism because i think that his delivery and dynamic has like changed over time like you're saying and he he definitely it's crazy because he like usually keeps it in at one you know in one gear but he's able to express so much through it and i guess it's i would assume it's you know him just hearing really good melodies in the music and figuring out how to place himself in it because it doesn't seem to me that he writes much of the actual music Mm. and i don't know that's also like i'm spouting off (laughs) stuff that i don't know is actual factual like i think maybe he does that more in his his solo stuff that he does but like it's impressive to me that he's able to express so much without being so dramatic at times with his vocal range I yeah I think that's a really good way of putting it that I don't think I had connected really but I agree with you and then with the music too I think that so I listened to this album three times in preparation for this and uh, the first time was like a little more serious when I was trying to decide if this was the album I wanted to do and then the second time was like for fun like I was just like I just want to like enjoy this I listened to it a lot in the car I had a long car drive to go on and like it was like a just could like fully focus on it like singing along and I think like in singing along to it I feel like there are some moments where I almost wish that I could like sing along with the instruments versus him because they are at some points like the driving force of the song his voice is definitely like an instrument amongst the band so and I love that you uh listen to this album so much in preparation like that because i feel like that's how i am when when i'm doing these and there's very there's there's different listening experiences when i'm doing it (laughs) and usually there's like the casual one where i just kind of have it on Mm -hmm. and then there's the one where i really sit down and listen to it and start to take some notes 
and had it like be able to detail out some things and then there's the one where i just like want to listen to it and not do yeah. anything but listen very intently yes the third time through was when i was um listening and taking notes and it was kind of uh I felt like I almost didn't get a lot of enjoyment out of listening to the album because I. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different experience when you do it that yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. It's all. It's. I don't want to say it's homework, but it. You are listening to it differently. I feel like. Yeah. It just kind of. I feel like it kind of just took me out of it. Where like sometimes, most of the time, even though I've listened to this album so many times certain songs will still just pull me in and when you're listening to it with like the intention of taking notes i don't have that feeling at all yeah yeah it can be a little harder to be in the moment with it because then you're taking notes while music is happening but the other thing i really like about the later albums this high violet and trouble will find me and whatever comes after that is that with these albums there i feel like there is like a lot of good replay value out of them too though because mm-hmm. there's like a lot going on so i always hear different things as well yeah actually with this song in particular i think at the beginning it's pretty slow which i normally wouldn't use in a bad way (laughs) slow slow, it's not bad but this song I think it comes on and every time I'm like oh why do I think I like this song this isn't and then just like 20 seconds ago or so the drums come in yeah and I'm like oh shit that's why I like this song like I just I don't know the first 30 seconds or so I'm not but then yeah it gets so anthemic yeah when he's doing those chants and these backup vocals mm-hmm. are very cool in keeping things moving. It's it really for me though is like the moment when the drums come in. That's like I have that in my notes a lot. Just in general, mm-hmm. is that the drums on this album are one of my favorite parts of the whole thing. Yeah, like I think there's really interesting choices in what's being played and and what I think could be distracting at times with other other songs and maybe again it goes back to Matt's voice mm-hmm. and it working because of that because he's not like stepping over his melodies while he's playing these intricate things and then also just the sound of the drums is really really cool That's another one of my favorite lines off the whole record. What exactly is it? It's I, uh, it's it takes an ocean not to break. Okay, that's what I that's what I. <laughs> those were the lyrics that I had assigned to it for myself, but I don't think I'd ever looked at <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, I love that. But I I just really appreciate like some of these heavier moments that they they jam it out a bit i know loud like super loud music is not your favorite (laughs) thing anymore yeah it's still it's it's not like all over the place though 
Or, I don't know, it kind of is. Like, right now, it seems... This is, like, a very punk rock moment. Yeah, but I love it. (laughs) Well, it's because you've already, like, fallen in love with the band, too, so you're, like, more trusting of what's going to happen, probably. Yeah, yeah. So you're maybe just more open to it. And, it like, that song... Maybe it's just also because that that particular song you said, it starts off really slow, which Mm -hmm. it does. So it's kind of this, like, full range of emotions, too, with the music which I think is is very cool and also just think it's cool because the national I feel like is known for being this slow bummer band a lot <laughs> too so I think that's rad to have a moment like that and maybe a little surprising to some people yeah I mean England is my least favorite song on the album. <laughs> oh, cool. I was going to ask you if you had it. Like, what was your least favorite? Uh, it's for sure, England. It's just Do you too... not like it? Uh, I don't know. That's so hard to say because I really have only listened to it in the context of like, like I have never just put that song on. The only time that I hear it is when I put this full album on. And it happens to come after one of the songs that I really like and before one of the songs I really like. So, like, I'm never going to, I don't know. And I wouldn't skip it. So I guess I like it. I don't, I don't skip it. Okay. Is that, That's a good is sign. that fair? Yeah. And I feel that that's maybe my feelings towards it too. Like, I don't think it, it's... Uh, a throwaway track by any means but when i was listening to this album today it it wasn't necessarily one that i had much to that gave me much to think about or much that like provoked me to want to like know anything was it your least favorite also or was there one that you liked worse i don't even know if it's my least favorite it, but it, it is one of the, yeah, I know it's, like I said, it's just like one of the ones I didn't, I didn't pull any like mm-hmm. moments from it necessarily. But were but there I, any songs that you like didn't like? No, no, I, this is like definitely a record that I find no reason to skip anything. I think it, it's like really great front to back. I don't even think to make yeah, I don't even not like this. Like, I think this is pretty and, like... Yeah. <laughs> I think this, this part I don't like. This is... <laughs> Lyrically, this reminds me of a lot of R.E.M. <laughs> And uh, one time I had REM on the on in the car on the way home from the beach, and we probably listened to about five songs before you were just like, <laughs> "What the fuck are we listening to?" <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, you don't do that too much. No, where I mean, you know, there, there's I'm not always listening to stuff that you necessarily would put on, but it's not very often where you're like, "Yo, can we not?" do this please <laughs> but rem was yeah rem you didn't even say can we turn it off it was just the reaction of what the fuck are we listening to <laughs> and 
yeah, Michael Stipe is just a, he's a weirdo. And I feel like these lyrics um, touch upon a similar thing where I'm just very lost with this whole England thing he's talking about. And for as much as I love the, some of the, like, I usually really like when people use cities as song lyrics. I just think that that it's it just paints a paints a picture very easily to me, and so there's the moments, and maybe you can help me with what song it is. But there's the moments where he's talking about the the silver linings and the silver girls. He talks about Los Angeles, and I feel it's like it's one of these. England is. I'm almost positive. It's oh, I hope song. it's not now. Oh, no, 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 no. It's Conversation 16. It is. Ah, sweet. Yeah. Which, uh, so this was actually my, when I first listened to this album, this was my favorite song. Mm. And it was definitely very, like, surface level, like, probably just had it on the background and, like, caught the lyrics of, like, I was afraid I would eat your brains because I'm evil. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. (laughs) Like, I think just, like, very surface level, I was just like, this is great. I love the eating brains. And then I got more into it and like started listening to the album more and again kind of like assigned my own meaning to the song and then it became my favorite song it's a Hollywood summer beyond just thinking that the lyrics were cool and about like eating brains I think once I started listening to it more I definitely took it to be almost um, like I guess like my perceived meaning felt very like it was about like an abusive relationship but like from the side of the abusive person that feels kind of like trapped into this like I know that I do these awful things and I don't want to, but I also can't help myself. So, like, I need to, like, save you from me. Everything means everything. I was afraid I'd eat your I was afraid I'd eat your I guess just like it's not just him saying like because I'm evil but there are I think just like certain lines that I would take as red flags in relationships like he says I'm a confident liar and then like had my head in the oven so you'd know where I'll be and uh, I was less than amazing even the line you're the only thing I ever want anymore just feels it within the context of the song like a red flag. You're the only thing I ever want anymore. Now we 
I like this picture that it paints of this like potentially potentially like horribly abusive relationship that we are getting to see from the side of the horrible person. Yeah. And I think uh, that just feels very different from I have heard so many songs about the opposite. No, you're I think you're right. That's uh, more of a unique perspective to go at it that way instead of the more uh, just like dissecting the situation of feeling like working that abuse out. Yeah. And I think it could even potentially feel problematic of like wanting to sympathize with this abusive person. But I think the fact that he acknowledges that he knows that what he's doing is wrong and like not wanting to do it, but like not being able to help it is almost being, I think it's being sympathetic in a, in a different way, I guess almost more like empathetic, I guess yeah. where you can like see where he's coming from. Cause you don't want to be that evil person either. I don't know if this is true, but for some reason I remember maybe in the documentary or reading some other interview or maybe it's the the Pete Holmes podcast, but I think his wife helps him write lyrics. Oh, or she contributed a lot to like maybe later records. I think I have also heard something similar, especially I think reading something about Trouble Will Find Me. Um, I feel like I remember something. Mm. I feel like maybe he even mentioned that when we saw them at Edgefield. Hmm. Potentially, I remember <laughs> for as a. Uh, not amazing time that we had <laughs> together there. <laughs> uh, I do remember that concert being really great. And they had a huge band with them. Yes. Like there was a lot of backup singers. Mm-hmm. And I specifically remember them playing Blood Buzz Ohio. That was the one that like stuck out to you? When I was listening back to this album... I was I was like, oh, they they definitely played this song. Do you want to tell me what the song is about? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> you can ask me again when it when it's over. Stand up straight at the foot of your love. Lift my shirt up. I just like. Uh, I think I've always just assumed it was about like a serial killer kind of (laughs) I don't know like just the idea of like a blood buzz like killing someone and getting this like buzz from it and that just kind of stuck with me and then I never really thought about it any further like I'm sure I would find if I actually listened to the lyrics that's not what I would think but yeah and I'm pretty sure they are from Ohio. Mm. We should fact check that. I thought, I, I don't know. I, I thought you would be someone that would bring a lot of facts no. to this, uh, to this don't, conversation. Don't you don't you remember that I don't like music? But I you're so well read. Yeah, but I don't <laughs> look anything up about them. Also, I, I feel like that is such a... Um, 
I know we've joked about that. They are from Cincinnati. I don't think that you don't like music. (laughs) And you obviously (laughs) like music a lot. And you used to play music even. (laughs) Young Ruby used to play some music. And Mm -hmm. sing in choir. Yeah. You refused to (laughs) sing in front of me. I sang that one time. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) Let's keep that up. Let's have more of that. Um but they're from uh, they're from Cincinnati. They're from Cincinnati, yeah. formed in Brooklyn. So I feel like that I don't know that line about Ohio has to have something something to do with his emotional attachment to that place. I would assume. Am I allowed to talk about how hot he is? Oh, I remember when we saw them. Oh, man. <laughs> Hey everybody, just wanted to take a quick minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub, located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall with over 200 bottles. Muscles and Fritz are on the menu, their cheeseburger is lights out, and they've always got some killer weekly specials as well. Aside from the menu items and beverages, they've got this awesome covered patio that is heated throughout the fall and winter with a bunch of big screens to watch all your favorite sports. And the best part is they have DJs playing tunes there every Tuesday night from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. and Sundays 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. So come through North 45 Pub for some tunes and some food. Let's get back to the episode. To Ohio in a swarm of bees. This lyric, I never thought about love when I thought about home. Like, I think a lot of people, or at least in like a very stereotypical, like painted words above your fireplace kind of way, like home is where the heart is. Like, (laughs) Like saying that he doesn't associate love with home is like... I guess being home as like a very specific place of yeah. like Ohio. I think at this point in my life, I can also relate to that. But do you feel like Corona is your home? I don't anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think after the first even three years or so after I moved to Portland, I felt like this was my place. Yeah, so I guess that's what I'm saying is my interpretation is bullshit. <laughs> it doesn't make it doesn't make sense when you actually like now that we're talking about it, like the idea that he doesn't associate love with home. It, but unless he's speaking of his home, that like his his hometown, you know? Yeah. Because like Corona is my hometown. But that's not my home to me. And when I go back there, it doesn't feel necessarily like home. It feels like this weird time capsule that is just like mostly very weird to me because I don't like necessarily like recognize it the same way. And then it also feels familiar in all all of the ways, all at the, like at the same time. So, what do you think he's talking about with Lemon World? Oh, I have no idea. I uh, it was on 
right before we started this, and I was like, oh, I should probably look up the lyrics to the song. I looked up the lyrics, read them all, and I have no idea. It's like so, you and your sister live in some sour world. Ah, uh, I don't even know because then I also think I think probably just because of the spot that they fall in the song, but the lyrics that stuck with me before I actually looked them up were when he says, I'm too tired to drive anywhere anyway right now. Do you care if I stay? And I think that I just took that line and assigned it to the whole song. And then when you look up the lyrics, he's talking about like, you can put on your bathing suits and I'll try to find something on this thing that means nothing. Yeah. I mean, that to me is like, he's hanging out with, I don't know. He's hanging out with some woman that he's seeing and hang out with Mm -hmm. her and her sister and they have a pool situation they're in the bathing suits (laughs) and it means like it's he's it feels like maybe it's empty to him that you know even though he's maybe like super attractive to this this person and her sister Mm -hmm. and they look banging in these bathing suits (laughs) he's still like it means nothing to him yeah he says i want to sit in and die so fucking dramatic (laughs) (laughs) so dramatic (laughs) he says uh, this pricey stuff makes me dizzy I guess I've always been a delicate man takes me a day to remember a day I didn't mean to let it get so far out of hand that's when he says I was a comfortable kid yeah but I think like the takes me a day to remember a day. I didn't mean to let it get so far out of hand. Like, oh, like hit me kind of when yeah. I read it. <laughs> no. Leaning into some some partying. <laughs> Leaning into some <laughs> yeah. substances and taking had... a day to recover and trying to map it all out after and figure it out through the fog a little bit. Yeah, I think, I mean... You know, I've gone through periods (laughs) (laughs) that, and I think that especially um, the line, like, I didn't mean to let it get so far out of hand, I think can potentially be even just, uh, just the idea of, like, starting a day (laughs) of, like, oh no, today's just normal, and then the next day you're like, oh, it's tomorrow (laughs) that line in particular now thinking about it how you have uh, put it in context that way of i didn't mean to let it get so far out of hand just because of the conversations that we have had just about you being like a yes person to (laughs) like no intention of getting you know super drunk or whatever (laughs) and then you but you're just like you're you're just down like yeah, I mean, you have one drink out of the bar, and then the bartender is like, hey, let's go skinny dipping, <laughs> and maybe also do cocaine, and then let's go do this. I'm like, yeah, of course. Why would I not do that? <laughs> but it just starts with one drink at the bar. Yeah. You know, normal stuff. And then it's the next day. Mm-hmm. And you're like, whoa. All right, I want to talk about anyone's ghost. Because this song has one of my favorite grooves on it, just like how it kicks <laughs> off. Very cool. 
But this song has some very heavy lyrics to me. And it happens in the second verse of it. The go out at night with your headphones on always makes me think about, um, I can't remember what TV show it was or something, but it was like asking a girl like, hey, if you were a guy for a day, what would you do? And she's just like, you know, go running at night with headphones. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that because it's so true. Uh, So I love this part of the song, this particular part that's coming up. That part yeah. is that's <laughs> it's over after that. Yeah. That's like amazing. That's awful. Yeah. But amazing. Yeah, no, awful in the best sense. I think you, it's safe to assume that anytime I use awful during this podcast, it's <laughs> mean it in a good way. But I think he maybe talks about that somewhere else in the record, too, of just like feeling this depression from a pretty early age. And I'll have to find it. And maybe it's in, yeah, it's in sorrow. It kicks off from the beginning with him talking about sorrow it. Sorrow found me when I was young. Sorrow waited, sorrow won. Sorrow they put me on the pill. Like talking about going on medication as a kid. Also, just the line of sorrow won. I don't think that I realized that that's what the lyrics were. On the water. Cover me in sympathy Cause I don't wanna get over you. Yeah, I don't know. I think that that's like a, a thing that connected heavy though. Just, I don't know. I think a lot of people maybe talk about that as well when they as they get older and like realize that maybe depression is something that's very present in their life like going back on the timeline thinking about like when that set in it's just like oh i think even as a younger kid i had times at like on particular days where i felt a very like dark cloud for some reason okay remember or I don't remember being a little kid and like knowing what depression was at all. Like I think that you have bad days or even like bad periods of time that I think that like if depression and mental health was like, I guess like you like educated kids about that, they could maybe articulate that. Like I am going through like a depression right now yeah <laughs> and i think that just just going through it and not knowing what it is is really hard yeah i just don't really know where the line of was of like feeling that way i guess yeah. you know but do you think that when you first felt it you knew 
what it was? Like, do you think that you could have articulated it? Probably not, because I think even now I don't always like acknowledge it until after. Yeah. Of, <laughs> of saying or reflecting back, and then saying, "Fuck, I was I was like really going through some shit. Like, I, I was very depressed during this time, or yeah, whatever. I, so I, I, I probably feel... couldn't have. Yeah." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I probably feel similarly. Um, I actually, that is something that I kind of wrote down in my notes, though, about just like working with Ryan. And I think that sometimes during this like kind of rough year that I was going through, um, just not being great. And (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Ryan would like come in to take over for the night shift behind the bar and he would be like oh no you're playing the national like what did you do yesterday <laughs> or like are you okay <laughs> what it's just a, that that's your that's your go-to it's my tell it's yeah, your, yeah. <laughs> like, um, that's very funny yeah and <laughs> I think actually for a while um, like only in the last few months I think after that period of time, I kind of stopped listening to the national for a while just because I think I associated like, because I used it in that way, I started to associate it with kind of depressing times and needed to take a break from it. Yeah. You got to do that sometimes. Usually when I do these, I always like to see what other albums came out in 2010. Ooh. And a couple albums that you really like came out that year. Or one one specifically that I know that Is you that enjoy a lot. That I'm not sure of. Oh, okay. But one that you turned me on to recently that I also now like a lot is Beach House's Teen Dream. Oh, yeah. And ever since you showed me that album... Like, I don't know. Beach House is just one of those bands that I, I've always enjoyed what I've heard, but I don't usually put it on myself. Mm-hmm. And ever since you've shown me Teen Dream on our road trip, it's an album that I listen to on my own every once in a while now. And every time I go to the record store, I always <laughs> look for a Teen Dream. And I know that I'm like so late to the game on it. And yeah. I don't know. That's, that's the fun really of music, matter. though, like, I think. Yeah. Is it's like, I don't know. A lot of things just you can't listen to everything and it it's always there, so sometimes it just hits at different times. I think Teen Dream is a, another good example of I love a lot of Beach House songs, but Team Teen Dream, the album as a whole, from start to finish, is just like what I want. Yeah. That's what I remember about listening to it on that road trip too. <laughs> just like every song. I was way into and it was just (laughs) so great such a do a double feature right now on your podcast (laughs) (laughs) so good so Teen Dream came out what else The Suburbs from Arcade Fire which I don't know how you feel about Arcade Fire but I definitely enjoy those records a famous song off of that album the suburbs 
<laughs> the self-titled track. The title the track. The titular track. The titular track. You know the suburbs. I'm sure if you I got you. It. I'm gonna I'm gonna get you going here. Opening track on the album too. Oh yeah, I know. You know yeah. this song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're cool, you're hip, <laughs> you know this. So the suburbs from Arcade Fire also came out that year. This is happening from L C D sound system. Mm. Another album I came to so late. I had LCD no idea system. who LCD Sound System was until probably 2014, 2015. Yeah, 2014 when I moved up here. In, I guess it was 2013. So you're saying you got a lot cooler when you moved to Portland. You know, I don't want to say that. But I I'll will say... say yeah. <laughs> no, I... I think that Portland shaped me tremendously like when I moved up here now, I will say that I will say that Portland exposed me to a lot of the different music and it wasn't necessarily the music scene here it was just the people that I started hanging out with were just all listening to things that maybe I knew names of but had never really listened to on my own or they were just exposing me to a lot of music that I, I didn't know about. Also, just getting into records got me looking into like so much different music, I guess, and being being open to a lot of different kinds of music. So yes, I guess I got I guess I got cooler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think also I was just hanging out with so many more musicians when I moved up here. Like, growing up so far outside of L.A., I didn't, outside of my bandmates, I didn't hang out with a lot of people that played music. There weren't tons of bands in my immediate area. Do you feel like when you moved here, that was the easiest way for you to meet new people? It just happened that way because I was very intense on, like, I had a lot of intent when I moved up here to spend my time doing more of the stuff that I enjoyed doing. And I guess I've, I've reached that to a degree I did not expect at this point, but (laughs) I really just wanted to make sure that I was playing music. And because I started showing up to open mics, like that is how I really met people here for the most part. And that's like why I started the podcast and because I was meeting people and I was seeing a lot of music and I was like, oh, I want to do a podcast. (laughs) And it just seemed like the move that I would just talk to local Portland musicians and talk to some of these people that I like their songs at open mics. And then, (laughs) you know, it evolved from there. And now I get to do cool podcasts like this with my girlfriend. <laughs> We've really moved far along. Well, I mean, for as much as I don't enjoy live music, that is how we met. Yeah. Yeah. It is how we, we met. Yeah. You like live music when it's <laughs> under certain conditions. And I understand the reasons that you do not like going as much and i think that you're very willing to go if i I invite you to things yes 
and that's <laughs> that's awesome um I, I do think that the national is actually a really good example of why I don't like live music where like when we went to go see the national um they didn't play any of my favorite songs which to be fair to them all of my favorite songs are so depressing and just like not great live and <laughs> I don't I think just in general most of the music that I like is not great for live music where um so I if I even if I do go see a band that I really like I'm like oh this isn't great and that's everybody's not- just standing there <laughs> yes, ex- exactly versus like I have been to like quite a few live shows of more upbeat bands that I like and had a really great time but I think that's just rare where there are like the bands that I want to spend money and time to go see are so depressing and just not, <laughs> not going to be opposed to like when we yeah. went and saw modest mouse and it was just like fun to hang out on the grass yeah. and listen to music and we weren't worried about like getting close to the stage or anything. Yeah. It's just like a very casual, almost park Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and like personally I would love to go see the national and just hear them play all of the most depressing songs then just leave leave the venue just feeling gutted <laughs> but I understand why they don't want to do that because they need to make money I mean you know that I'm also into that 100% <laughs> that I will sit in the through all of the all the depressing music as well it just also seemed like, like I mentioned before, how big of a band they brought, mm-hmm. that they were uh, definitely trying to, like you said, if if they would have played everything that you wanted to hear, <laughs> it would have been pretty down tempo most of the time. Yeah. And it's this big outdoor amphitheater <laughs> and, you know. Um, well, also they were touring for the I Am Easy To Find album, which seems at least to me at first glance to use quite a bigger band and has a lot of backup vocals or like sometimes even he's the backup vocals like yeah um, it features what seems to be a lot more people than the previous albums are you looking for a song to play from it yeah is there a particular one that you like i mean i really like i am easy to find or if you want a more upbeat one, the Where Is Her Head is really great. Those are probably my two favorite ones on the album. How long have we been here? Am I ever coming down? I need to find some lower thinking if I'm gonna stick around. I'm not going anywhere. Who do I think I'm kidding? I'm still standing in the same place Where you left me standing I am easy Yeah, I remember listening to this on the way home from the beach the other day with you And I hadn't really listened to this album much front to back So I I didn't even know that there were so many featured singers on it which 
I think it first threw me off a little bit, but the more I listened to it, the more I enjoyed it. And I also just like breaking down that boundary creatively for like a band to do something different and be willing to be like, hey, we don't need our singer mm-hmm. to be yeah. the centerpiece of this thing. And yeah, I just think it makes it that brings in kind of that mentality that no one's bigger than the band situation and they're willing to try something like that where it's not maybe the person you associate necessarily with being the voice of the national and yeah which is crazy because he does have such a distinctive voice and like almost feels like he is bigger than the band so then doing an album like this is really nice i think i just love i think when i when i first listened to this album i also it took me a while to warm up to it i think until we saw them live um and especially this song them playing it i just absolutely loved it and just the, it's just another one that just I feel like I relate to so much and the lyrics just the idea of like I'm easy to find probably just because of some of the like past relationships I've been in where the relationships have been awful and you have been like treated poorly and you're still like I'm still here like I'm easy to find if you want to come back to me and that's so sad (laughs) and like not something that I want to ever feel but just not I mean just to be honest like something that I have felt where like I've gotten out of a relationship not even necessarily been broken up with but like even broken up with someone and then felt like hey i'm still here you know like if you want to come back it's i'm right here are you talking about me right now (laughs) (laughs) sorry did i break up (laughs) wait (laughs) no i understand what you're saying yeah i i have uh felt and been through similar things it it just feels like he's describing this emotion that i think i would be embarrassed to talk about normally and he is just singing about and i'm like yes i have felt like that and thank you for like expressing this feeling that i would normally be embarrassed to talk about that's the beautiful thing about music that's why i gravitate (laughs) towards it so much because it helps make sense of things it often is uh you know just like the words you you don't have but somebody else Mm -hmm. is willing to put it out there and it like reflects something very similar in your own life Um, and it's fucking cool yeah and i love it and that's why (laughs) i spend so much time listening to music because it, it has for some reason always been the way that I have like processed the world in some ways. And it doesn't always mean I listen to sad music. Um, well, speaking of the national live, when we went to go see them, the last album on, or the last song on high violet is another song that, um, I didn't, I didn't not like it before, but 
after we went to go see them live, they played it and the whole crowd was singing along and it was amazing. And ever since we saw them, I love this song now. Mm. And like I said, I didn't, I didn't not like it before, but it wasn't ever something that like made me feel anything. And now it does. Yeah. I, uh, I love when that happens when you don't really like a song that much from a band mm-hmm. and then you see it live and then it makes sense to you mm-hmm. or it's just played. Yeah. It, it's just delivered in a different way where you can go back to the album and maybe it's still not as good as like how you heard it in that moment, but you have this different attachment to it and you can like hear things in it that you didn't recognize before or you're just like, oh, I just feel that energy every time I listen to this song now when I like I think about it in that moment. Yeah, I actually had the same thing um, happen with Creature Fear by Bonnie Vare uh, when I went to go see him. I remember um, you told me about that. Yeah, and I think when I saw it live, it was way more of a spectacle versus the song on the album I feel like is very like it's almost like this like in between track between like two main songs and when they played it live it was this huge thing with like like he had a ton of people backing him up and I'm pretty sure like extra horns those sad horns that I love and coming away from it like then listening to the song on the album I just retained that feeling that I got from seeing it live and like heard new things especially I think like with the drums kind of like kept a similar vibe to when I saw it live and that like really made me appreciate the song a lot more I'm glad you came around on Vander Lyle Cry Baby <sighs> Geeks because this is up there for me. Yeah, yeah. I just think that this is such a cool closer to this album. Mm-hmm. I thought this was very fun. <laughs> and I hope that you had fun too because it's nice to get to share what I do with a lot of my time with you. Yes. And like I said, we don't always talk about music in this particular fashion so it's also fun to just do something a little different with you (laughs) do you want to tell everybody about your um where they can follow you (laughs) on social media um nowhere because you're a smart person (laughs) yeah i I admire that you do not fuck with the social media yeah you can for the most part you can email me yeah (laughs) (laughs) do you guys want to text me (laughs) I know that you have a little bit of a Twitter addiction sometimes, but uh, I, I, I think it's very cool that you keep yourself free of the, the social media madness because yeah. I obviously do enough for the both of us. But um, I think I think it's very sweet that you um, you went ahead and indulged me by doing <laughs> this podcast with me and you know hopefully i wasn't too shy talking i think you were not shy (laughs) at all and i think it's nice that um we got to talk about one of your favorite albums i had very i had a lot of fun (laughs) for real (laughs) i had a lot of fun doing this with you i think it's great 
Well, that's good. I I had more fun than I thought I would. I was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, I guess as a compliment to you, I felt less nervous than I thought I would. Do you want to tell everybody about how great DistroKid is to <laughs> wrap us up here? Before. Yeah, did you guys know that you can get 30% off on DistroKid with the promo code? The link in the, the episode notes. The link in yeah. the episode notes, yeah. yeah. 30% you should get off. a promo code. They're way cooler. <laughs> <laughs> you just come on here to roast me? That'd be amazing. <laughs> uh, DistroKid, though, they're great. And uh, they have been supporting this thing for... A long time now so i'm super appreciative of them and you should definitely hit the link in the episode notes so that you can get that 30 percent off that ruby was mentioning <laughs> off your your first year and that means that for around 15 dollars, you can upload as much music as you want onto uh, all the streaming services and they help do all the placement for for the all the things that's actually way cheaper than I thought it would be. I feel like you should say that on your ads. I do. Oh, I should listen I to think. your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Distro kid. <laughs> if you're not using them, you're fucking up. And uh, that link is uh, there in the episode notes. And uh, you anyway. can throw my email address in there. <laughs> and I'll go ahead and, and put Ruby's email address in there so you can uh, email her about anything. <laughs> I guess. No, just just this episode. What do you just this episode? Yeah. What do you just, just their thoughts? Their just to tell me, yeah, mostly just to like tell me why I'm wrong about the meaning of certain songs. And yeah, let us know. Let me know if you would like a return appearance from Ruby. No, don't. <laughs> In my Please emails, don't. no, <laughs> no. I would actually like to know if. Uh, if if there should be return appearances. No, I think just don't comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got to go have waffles for dinner. And we're going to play the episode out with that last track off of High Violet, which is called Vanderlyle Cry Baby Geeks. And check out the, the album home. front to back if you dug what you heard here and check out more national if you're new to the national i think Changing that uh, you should just uh start wherever you're feeling is the right spot because all i think all of the albums have pretty great songs on them so there's a lot to go back and check out they've been a band for a long time and What's oh, the you gotta do. You gotta say the tagline for the show. Oh no, we don't. We don't even do this for I Dig Records. But I feel like I'm not gonna have an opportunity to have you. This is special. No, no, this I don't is want special. This. No, this is. Uh, you have to say it's a program to. No, that's to not. Wrap it up. That's not on I Dig Records. Pushback. You're gonna do this on the mics. Yeah. <laughs> it's a program. <laughs> no, you have to cut that. You have to stop. I'm definitely Sends up for the vandalized
hanging from 